Thank you for joining us on another season of Beyond Clean, a live podcast where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Beyond Clean is a podcast that is broadcast out of our studios inside Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. We're always looking for guests at Beyond Clean, so reach out to me, your host, David Thompson, at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com or call us at 888-999-6059. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, let's get started with today's guest on Beyond Clean. Good morning, everyone. This is Dave Thompson, and we are live here on Podbean Live, Beyond Clean with Ace, where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive in the cleaning industry, or maybe just whatever we want to talk about. It may not really pertain to the cleaning industry at all, and it might. If it is something that's positive, I like to talk about it. And you know what? Our, our last podcast that we had with Jerry, uh, we got a surprise listener. Well, I, I should say it this way. We weren't surprised that we had a listener. We were just surprised that he wanted to come on and talk with us. And as a result of him chatting with us live, guess what? He is our speaker for today. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Oh, boy. I'm glad that you said something there. I was afraid that we'd lost you already before nope. we get started. <laughs> nope, I'm here. Yeah, you're good. All right. So, Andrew, um, you know, I, I heard you on the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, uh, last week, I guess it was. And uh, you had some good things to say. And uh, I guess you and Jerry know each other. But you know what? Rather than me try to uh, read your LinkedIn profile and butcher up who and what you do, why don't you just tell everybody? Sounds good, Dave. Thank you. So, again, my name is Andy Reese, um, industry industry veteran at this point. Uh, I've been doing the chemical industry for a little over 16 years now. Uh, started my career uh, all the way back with, uh, I mean, really it started at McDonald's is where I really started the, the passion for, for the cleaning in the industry. But uh, 2005, I settled into Swisher Hygiene, which was a cleaning and sanitation company. Uh, and then kind of branched out from there. I uh, worked for an independent company uh, in 2009. And then went off to work for Gordon Food Service as a chemical and beverage specialist, uh, specializing in the cleaning industry. And then went on to chemical manufacturing with Diversi. Uh, some, some of you know as uh, previously way back when as Johnson & Johnson or SC Johnson that evolved into Diversi Lever and then Diversi as it is today. Uh, and then I went back to Gordon Food Service to do a new region launch. And then I went back to Diversity to do a very large rollout project across the country. Uh, and then um, kind of came on board here recently about two years ago with Performance Food Service as their chemical and beverage manager for the eastern Pennsylvania market. Uh, so spent a lot of time in the chemical industry. I have a good feel for it. Um, a lot of industry contacts. Uh, try to be pretty in tune with what's going on and I just wanted to come on today and talk about a little bit about our industry and kind of see it from our eyes and kind of educate everybody on, you know, what we do and, and the costs that go into this because there's so many different companies out there that do this type of thing. But how do you know? How do you know what you should be getting versus what you are getting? And that's really why I wanted to come on and talk about this today, Dave. Okay. Well, I'm broadcasting out of Orlando, but I think you're a little further north. Yep, I'm up here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, up here in Amish country. Aha. Uh, and, you know, I did look on your LinkedIn profile while we were on the podcast, actually, last uh, week. And when you came on, I looked on there and I'm like, but I got to ask you a question, which I don't ask a lot of questions here, guys. But one extra degree makes all the difference. Now, folks, I don't know if you've been on LinkedIn, but whenever put, somebody puts that up there, an extra picture right up on the heading, they they mean something. Yep, absolutely. I'm glad you asked. So I'm I'm a very passionate leader. Uh, I believe in in motivation and development. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of John Maxwell, but I'm also a big fan of Sam Parker. And Sam Parker does a lot of um, motivational and inspirational training and leadership. And I came on the 212 back in 2005 when I was looking to take my sales and service team. And, and give them a focus and give them something to that they can simply attach to and strive to be better. And the philosophy of 212 is, is that uh, 211 degrees, water is just hot. Uh, and that's all it is. It's hot water. It, it's, 
it has a use, it has a purpose. But that one extra degree at 212 degrees, water starts to boil. And with water, with when water boils, you can power a locomotive. And that one extra degree will make all the difference in business and in life. That's something I live by. So if I said something about I don't like chemicals, hmm. <laughs> so I'm not sure where you're going with that one. Leave that a little further. I just wanted to see what you'd say, Andrew. If I said I don't, I'm not a fan of chemicals. I really am not. I I believe water is a universal cleaning agent, and we believe in this world today that we've got to add something to water before we can clean. And I'm I'm just I'm like. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a baby boomer and I was growing up with elbow grease and the newer generations don't believe in that. Yep. And, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, when you talk about cleaning, you know, yes, absolutely. Water is the universal cleaning solvent. Um, but as with anything, there's a process and there's four components to cleaning. And that's time, temperature, chemical concentration, mechanical action. If you remove something, you got to add something else. Uh, so that kind of takes you into... You know, there is a method. Um, there's there's a mechanical action piece. You can give it more time. You know, you can clean anything with water with enough time and with enough temperature or a mix of any of the three. Um, and then you got chemicals as well to kind of expedite that for process to make labor more efficient. Well, you know, one of the things I always tell people is I said, you know, if you don't add the right amount of chemistry to water in the right proportions, things change. Um, and usually that's unintended consequences. Uh, you're in food service now. Correct. And, um, you know, when you were with diversity and all of them, uh, were, were you in the, still in food service part of it there? Uh, so I did a little bit of each of the applications. Um, so I, I still do a little bit of laundry because we still have healthcare facilities that we do, uh, that we service. So we take care of the laundry applications as well as housekeeping, infection control. Uh, and then in the wear wash industry, um, you know, we've, we've done a little bit of all of it. Um, but I, I like where you're going with this with, um, you know, the chemistry and how it can be dangerous. And this is where, you know, when we talk about chemistry, um, you know, it, it is a very dangerous substance in most applications. Uh, OSHA defines it, most of these chemicals as a dangerous substance. And there's a GHS system and SDS data sheets to back it and protect workers from the chemicals. So that's why application and training is, is, or education is so important. Um, you know, we, we, there was an unfortunate circumstance just a few years back up in New York, um, up at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, mm -hmm. where a manager sadly passed away because they mixed the wrong chemicals on the floor. Yes, and, and I, I is, very well. Matter of fact, I talk about that quite often. Yep, it was, um, it was eye-opening because, you know, it was really the first time we heard it in a while in, the, in a restaurant setting. But these things happen in healthcare a lot too, because when you start mixing laundry chemicals, which are much higher concentrations of, of dangerous substances, uh, I mean, I was part of an evacuation a few years back. To I walked into a laundry to do a preventive maintenance service, and I knew it right away it was chlorine gas, and we had to evacuate the entire east wing and have hazmat in there. Uh, you know, these things are seriously dangerous, and they require a certain level of education. You know, Andrew, as you're, as you're talking about this, uh, I'm, thank you for mentioning that uh, particular instance. Um, another uh, one of our contributors here at the Academy, Bill Fellows, uh, we put together a, a course this past year um, for understanding the SDS. And, you know, one of the things is we just can't get people to come to that course because they think they already know everything about chemistry. And as you said, one degree, one thing one slip and that's what happened with that situation at buffalo wild wings it wasn't accidental but when the accident happens it's not time to start learning yep yep there there there's fatal consequences um and this is why education has to be a continual process in our industry each and every day so for you when does education start continue stop Give us some insights. You're the chemical guy. Yep. So the, each chemical company out there does things their own way. Um, you know, for me, 
you know, when I was at diversity, one of the things we did was we did SDS data training. Um, and that was one of the first things we did when we set up an account. We would do a SDS in-service training. We would do a uh, product application training. Uh, and then we would also do a little bit of testing to make sure we have knowledge validation among the team. Uh, one of the things that we didn't get into because there, as a training company, you got to be careful um, when you get into the GHS training and the written communication policies for GHS for OSHA compliance. You know, these are things that uh, it's funny you say this because the second number, the second highest rate of violations and the number of penalties that were issued by OSHA uh, for the last, oh, I want to say it was eight or nine years, has been uh, GHS and hazard communication violations. Wow. And that's, uh, that's, that's powerful because there is a training need. And these, these lack of training, not only the, the human life aspect, but let's just go to the business financial impact. If you're not doing, if you don't have a written hazard communication plan in your workforce, you need to have one. If you're dealing with any type of chemicals, whether it be leach, whether it be uh, a caustic, whether it be an acid, uh, whether you're dealing with spray bottles with chemicals you fill up in the back of the mop sink, there's a process for this. And, and there's a communication plan that has to be in place and it has to be conducted and updated every year. Uh, some people actually choose to have a GHS training log on their SDS binder to maintain compliance on that. Uh, so, you, oh, Dave, you want to say something there? Well, I, I just was, you know, as you were saying that, I was, I was reminiscing. My wife uh, works in food service at one of the resort um, entertainment facilities here in Orlando. And, um, of course, she's lived with me and heard me talk this language all, all, all of our marriage. And, of course, she's been in the restaurant industry all of her life. So they had some new chemical and stuff, and she said, where's the book? And they go, well, it's over there somewhere. And she had to go searching for it and finally found it up in a corner, tucked away behind. And she said, whenever I went to open it, it the pages were all matted together. This just isn't right. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, that is going to be the case in probably 85% of the restaurants you would visit or food service establishments. It's not a priority. Uh, it's something that if it's not given focus, it doesn't happen. And, and that's really where uh, a good chemical supplier uh, servicing company will help you identify those issues. It doesn't just, uh, one of the things that I would say is it doesn't stop and start just in the kitchen or just in the laundry room or just in the meat plant. It's from the moment you get out of your vehicle and you enter a property. You know, you're looking at the entire property from the curbs, the how much, how the detail cleaning that goes into the exterior, and then the sanitation as you go out throughout the facility, all the way down to the compliance for OSHA and other regulations. Um, it, it's there's so much value to be derived from a company that's going to help you be a second set of eyes and ears that you almost you almost can't put a price on it if you have a good company helping you with your business. So I think what you're saying now is whoever the vendor is, this would be a good point of communication with your client? Absolutely. Uh, and it's something that should be expected. Um, and how often? Uh, so, you know, a lot of companies do a monthly preventive maintenance program. Some do quarterly, some do annual, some don't show up at all, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I, okay, gonna, now wait a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> so don't show up at all. <laughs> Andrew, you're, you're, you're hitting them right below the belt right here to start with this morning. <laughs> well, but you are right. You are right. And, and, and so, I mean, this is the vendor's responsibility as I look at it. You concur? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I've been I, I've been in sales for you know was for thirty five years in Missouri and so chemical chemistry and everything all over the place and I, I I can tell you I I hear what you're saying loud and clear you know one of the ways that I kept my chemical proportioning systems in place was by doing exactly what you're talking about regardless of whether the client wanted to listen or wanted to I was always offering it was always there I always made sure. And uh, you, you, whenever you say this, we now, with a lot of our chemistry, are in proportioning systems. When 
I, I am assuming you're going to concur that this is the responsibility of the vendor on a regular basis. Correct. Yeah, because you, you got to, you know, proportioning systems are, are fallible. You know, they, they can malfunction. Um, they can have blockages. There's water issues that take effect on them. You know, these are things that need to be inspected on a routine basis. Um, they need to be looked at. They need to be calibrated and they need to be compliant. Um, you know, the pandemic's a perfect example of, you know, the efficacy of your disinfectants. They have to be what they're supposed to be. And if they're not, you're doing the community disservice and you're putting people at risk. Well, and did, and do you find that um, they're not checked or do you? I mean, are, are, are vendors taking care of that responsibility then? Well, you know, there was um, there was a good run there uh, where I was seeing some some focus from from all kinds of different vendors where they were actually doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were doing preventive maintenance. They were keeping the dispensers neat and tidy. They were keeping up with uh, the, the titrations the way they should. But, uh, you know, the pandemic has killed that. And it's put such a hurting on businesses at a time when they need support. You know, a lot of people, there's still today, there are chemical companies that aren't doing PMs and they're only doing emergency response. And it's such a disservice to our industry because that lack of presence in the field has dire consequences down the line. It's a domino effect. So, you know, I, w I had a podcast where I was talking with um, uh, a good doctor down in Australia. And, you know, he brought up some good points in that podcast. Um, and I don't know if you go there. But I mean, uh, chemistry is chemistry, right? Doesn't matter. Yep. But yeah, right. So, you know, one of the things that they brought up, and you said disinfectants, was the fact that people mix uh, out proportioning systems, right? Yep. And uh, they just top off their bottle, and um, <laughs> the the conversation went to biofilms in the bottle. Have you dealt with any of that in your career? So I, I'm actually, I used to do a lot of the, some of the testing and application for flight kitchens uh, and some of the international airports. So I'm familiar with biofilms and the development of them because uh, they happen in dish machines. Um, so they can absolutely happen in spray bottles. Um, the only thing that can really prevent biofilms and bottles is a chlorine base. Outside of that, even with quaternary disinfectants, uh, you can get biofilms that build up in a spray bottle. Absolutely. And so their point, and, and both the gentlemen that were on that podcast, their point was that every time that a bottle is emptied or needs to be refilled, it should be emptied and washed out before. And, you know, I was like, you know, I've been in this industry all my life, and I don't think that I ever washed out a spray bottle before I refilled it with another fresh amount of cleaning chemical. Correct. And most people won't. So I it went is. online and I started looking for a, a, a device and I found it in the food service, you know, and, and it was like, duh. And, and this is why I like these podcasts <laughs> because things come up that you would not think about. And I, I'm like, I, I researched it and everything and I go, what the heck? You got a, a, a washer that sits on the sink and you turn the glass upside down, it rinses the inside of the sink, and it's automatic. Why aren't we in the chemical industry, why aren't we selling these, and why isn't this part of proportioning systems? That's, that is that is a magic question. And it's you know, the one thing. <laughs> you the you one didn't know thing, I was going to pull that one on you this morning, did you? <laughs> well, it's great, though, because it, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's our industry, and we've been. It is it's been so slow to change and it's so resistant to change that everybody's always afraid that they're going to disrupt something. But I think that we found that, you know, good disruption only moves us exponentially forward. Uh, but the problem is getting leaders in the industry to get on board with these things and, and talk about them and have open discussions. Because again, it, it's at the end of the day, it's about education. That's how we get a workforce that can be productive. that can be safe. that can be healthy, go home at the end of the day, just like they came in. And these are things that we should be talking about, but we're not. And it's really going to take people at the grassroots level to start talking about these things, introducing the ideas and getting, getting people on board with that process. Well, you know, you know what rinser I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, I don't know the exact name of it, but absolutely I do. Oh, um, I mean, there's all kinds of them, but they just, you know, um, like right on the sink, 
uh, and, and you and I and I started thinking about it. It's like, you know, I've been to a bar many, many times, and they have this rinser that you know they take the after they pull up out of the the, the three compartment sink, they stick it over there and rinse it. So I was down at a tap room, a local brewery, and they have one of these. They rinse the cup out before they go and fill it with beer. Yep. And I'm like. <laughs> Why aren't we doing this if biofilm builds up in the bottle and we're selling them proportioning? I mean, isn't this part of the education system? Absolutely, it should be. And so back to your point, being a disruptor, I, you know, I tell people, you don't come on the podcast, you don't come to my classes if you want them to learn the same old thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's about it's about you know moving forward and, and getting better in our practices and our hygiene. So and as you said, the education doesn't stop and start in one place. So um, now you've advanced in your career. What, when do you bring it in? So, you know, as we, you know, like I'll tell you, for example, as we went into the pandemic, um, you know, we, we, there wasn't a lot of discussions on proper disinfection. And it's something that I've always been big on just because I used to do it in hospitals. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, the discussions don't happen often. And, you know, when we no. got into the pandemic and we started talking about, okay, well, how do we go to economies of scale? How do we disinfect on a large range? You know, that's when we started talking about, you know, there was so much confusion over foggers and misters and proper application, you know, and that's really where we started having conversations around using equipment and how to properly use it. And, and, well, and conversations that should have happened very long time ago, Andrew, instead of right when we, uh, when we were all in a panic. Yep, Absolutely. And we all bear the burden of that responsibility and in the chemical industry because, you know, I think with anything in life, it's we always take the path of least resistance. And it's just easy mm -hmm. to sell what we have and sell what we know, but it doesn't mean it's right. Well, you know, and, and one of the things we like to talk about here is progressive, you know, and I think that's the not the easy route. Correct. And, you know, how do we get it forward? It's going to be an industry discussion. Uh, I think it's going to take someone, you know, one of the big the big companies to start. You know, most of the smaller companies, you know, they have the capacity to do it, but getting them to invest in some inventory and some training and talking to their customers now, it's going to be a hard push. But once one of the bigger companies do it, everybody follows suit. And, and that's where you got to kind of call on the industry for, for change. So what, what kind of new, I mean, uh, one of the things in your bio on LinkedIn was new markets. I mean, our, um, I assume you're now over in food service uh, where you've always been, but kind of back and forth. So is this your, your home for now forever or? You know, I've, I'm one of those eclectic type of people where I, I like, you know, I just had this conversation with someone the other day and you know, I was asked a very long time ago by a VP of operations who said, Andy, what do you want to do with your career? You want to be in sales or do you want to be in service? Because you're freaking good at both, but I just don't know where you want to go. And my answer was simple. It was, I just want to help people. I don't care what my title is. I don't care what industry it's in. You know, I enjoy helping people and solving problems. Um, a bit of like an engineer mindset where I like to take complex problems and introduce simple solutions. And that's where, you know, there's different go-to market strategies when you're looking at operations where this is how we've always done it. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different examples, and floor care is a whole other ballgame that I got into when we started transforming the industry and tried to make it a little more cleaner, a little more efficient. Um, so it's it's a constant education process with consumers and, and end users, uh, and that's where a lot of this takes place is when you're interacting with the end user. Uh, so am I going to stay in food service for the rest of my life? I don't know. Um, I like what I do. Um, you know, but I, I'm also very fascinated with laundry. I love laundry. Laundry was, it was my home for a while. Um, you know, I really had a lot of passion of the training and, and showing people how to reduce their costs because, you know, you look at laundry's cost and what it costs to run an on-premise laundry facility, 70% of your cost is labor, fabric, and chemicals. So there's a lot of opportunity there to, to change a dialogue for, for a, a facility. Well, and in the cleaning operation, which is what you're talking about, just cleaning something different, 
it's still labor is the largest thing. So that's where most of our costs are. Correct. Yeah. And that's where, you know, there's always new tools available to, to lower, you know, to lower your cost of labor. And that's where you talk about chemicals and having the right chemical mixture with, uh, with water, you know, is what's the balance. You got to find the right chemical that can do it quickly and efficiently, but safely as well. And, Thankfully, we've changed the industry a little bit. We've gotten away from some of the phosphates, and we've done away with some of the dyes. And you know, there's there's always change, but there's more to be done. So you you are trying to move the needle with with change, but yet trying to keep the old guard educated to stay safe. Um, those are some tough challenges. Yep. And this is why we've, you know, as this industry has continued to develop, you know, we're seeing a, a mature point with people in this industry. And, and I hate to say it, but it's it's an industry that people shy away from. Uh, we've seen a loss of people in this field as retirements have come into play. And, you know, young people are not coming into this industry. And myself being a younger person by some respects, um, the, the challenge is there to, to bring new life into the industry with fresh perspectives. And it's not there. We can't get people to do it. Well, you're, you're right, Andrew. It isn't there. And um, I think every industry right now with the pandemic has been feeling all of this. Um, my wife last night when I picked her up and we were talking this through last uh, on her way home, she mentioned the fact that that in their food service operation, they can't get some of the uh, what you would call old timers because they're retired now. Yep. You know, the, pandi quits. the pandemic just pushed them right over the edge and they're not coming back to work at all. Yep. And as you also said, the younger generation in the 40s don't want to put in the hours and the time. Uh, it's not the, the right industry for them. Absolutely. And I can tell you, you know, if you're in the building service contractor market where you're trying to work with building service contractors, I mean, this is third shift type people. You know, this is a, you're not working traditional hours. If you want to go out and work with the end users, you got to be working 11 p.m., midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, you get into floor care. I mean, you could do an overnight project from, you could work all day in, the, in, in your profession. And then you have to be out in the field with your, with your customers at night from 11 to 7 a.m. Then they're done it. Oh yeah, I, I would. I, I'm not even going to tell you how many hours and days and weeks that I have spent doing that, Andrew. Um, and I, I think that's the the challenge in chemical sales, as you are, is finding the people that are willing to do both sides of that coin. Yes, and it's a rare breed. And even before you know, you just go back ten years ago. You know, try to find somebody who can roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, is knowledgeable, willing to put the time in, can educate themselves on the industry, and continue to develop those skill sets. That was a rare breed then. Now it's like a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think it's what you're saying here is interesting. I know I'm in the education field now. I've moved my career through all of those that you mentioned, and I'm now into the education, you know, um, time of my life. And, you know, one of the things that, that I try to do is bring technology and, and stuff. And, I, and even in my job bidding classes, I tell people, you don't walk in with a pen and paper anymore. You walk in with a tablet. You don't go in and, and ask questions and start writing them down. You have a form that's electronic and you check them off as you go. Um, this is bringing technology to our industry a lot of people still aren't there. Right. And there is some, you know, as, as we continue to advance the industry, you know, I, I like the fact that it's electronic, uh, but you go back to checking off forms. Uh, yeah. It makes it simple for people coming in who don't know the business very well or need some help guiding them through the process of an on-site visit or a survey. <laughs> uh, but the pen and paper approach and asking questions, you know, you, I've always found, that the biggest solutions come from the interview with the customer and understanding their environment, understanding their predicaments, and then you can formulate your solution based upon the feedback. A form can't help you do that very well. 
Yeah, and your and and what you're saying is right. Do you find that uh, the the one the service people that are out there because you mentioned service, so yeah. I'm I'm going to go into uh, yeah. Let let's for the customer's sake here uh, on our podcast listening, uh, we're we're not talking uh, mechanical service like you're servicing them, um, you know, a piece of equipment uh, where you're taking it apart and making it work again. We're talking about customer service correct uh both um our industry does do both um but predominantly though predominantly it's it's uh it's about application is what it comes down to yeah it, it, it's the customer service now that doesn't mean that you know like we said proportion equipment you got to get up there and be able to know the nuts and bolts but you're not up uh you know working on gasoline engines and hydraulics correct correct Right. And so, folks, I want you to understand if you've never you know, been a part of the cleaning industry before, you might not understand. But we're not talking about going in and rebuilding a vacuum cleaner or, you know, uh, finding why an auto, auto scrubber is not working. We're talking a lighter duty service work. Correct. OK, so predominantly when you're talking service at, at a at a location rather sales because you mentioned your former uh, boss didn't know which way you wanted to go uh why do we have to choose one or the other why i mean aren't we supposed to be doing both well th- this is where you know i'm going to have a probably a different perspective than what other people would think the perspective i should have and there are companies that that go to market on this model that i would never do Okay. Uh, I've always believed that sales professionals and service professionals are two different positions. They are two different mindsets. All right. you know, your sales per person is going in to have discussions, understand the environment, understand what they're working in, understand the needs of the client, where your technician is the engineer mindset who understands the calibrations, the calculations, the equipment inside and out to know if there's a problem, how to solve it, how to fix it, and be able to manage their tools and their parts and their inventory and everything that's needed on a route base. Because you're talking about sales and then basically a route service in a sense. And to get somebody to do both effectively, I have very rarely found a person that is capable to do both Excellently. Okay, so that's the unicorn then, and and so what you're talking about really is you kind of like to to go at this with a specialist mindset. Correct. Absolutely, and that, and that's where really, you know, if you look at you know kind of my background of being in specialist roles, um, you know, I've fortunately I've had the experience, and I've I've had the, you know, I think we talked about last podcast where I got dropped off at a school and told, here's your equipment, go install it and figure it out. And they came back seven hours later and said, did you do it? And yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> uh, but Well, know, I'm, I'm that- saying, you know, any of us has been in this for any length of time. We've all got that story probably more than once, but <laughs> that's not the way that you want to start the young group today. Correct. You got to have a focus. You got to, you got to have, a position that is focused to do one specific thing and do it well. Uh, I know everybody wants everybody to wear multiple hats and be efficient, but in this industry, there's too much danger in that if you don't have the people that have the right skills for the right application. Um, you know, sales professionals can find the problems, introduce the solutions, and then you have a technical team that takes over and then can monitor the situation on the ground where they can educate, they can they can titrate, manipulate the chemicals, talk to the people at the ground level to see how they're using the product and make suggestions on how to do it more properly, more safely, uh, or more effectively. Folks, we are sponsored by Jim Supply, a supplier of goods in Central Florida. They've been providing um, uh, supplies that help improve lives for well over 80 years. Uh, we thank them for their sponsorship and making this podcast available. You know, a- Andrew, as I've had a number of different people on the podcast, I appreciate what you just got through saying because specialists give us a better insight into that, back to that one degree of difference in their particular field. That's why Bill Fellows comes on and talks about uh, SDS books and the GHS and all of the chemical things about learning the safety of chemicals. But yet, um, 
you know, I've got the good doctor in, in uh, Australia and uh, Daryl Hicks that talk about infection prevention. And I've got another gentleman in, in Virginia that talks about concrete polishing. They're specialists in their fields. They do very good. We all in this industry, and this is what's unique about the cleaning industry, we're everywhere. Absolutely. Everywhere you turn, from the air you breathe, to the water you drink, to the food you eat, we're everywhere. So being proficient in all of it is not what one person is trying to do. Knowing and having all of the avenues and the people around us makes us that expert. Right. We're, we're an industry, we're a group industry of professionals, and we all have our place and we all have our specialties. And that's where, you know, when you talk about, you know, when we go to market, um, you know, our focus to, you know, for example, my company, um, Performance Food Service, is focused on food service. You know, we focus on food safety. We focus on how we can make labor more efficient in the washroom. We we talk about how to make your your glasses cleaner and how we can reduce wash times and how we can turn more tables. You know, that's the efficiency that we focus on. Um, there's other companies out there that may focus on, you know, uh, like like Jerry does. You know, Jerry's in the food processing and craft beer industry. That's his specialty. That's what he does best. He knows refillable programs. He knows how to properly clean, you know, beer stone and milk stone from containers uh, with acids and caustics. That's his arena. That's what he specializes in. And that's what he's good at. Well, and this is why we need to have all of the resources. And I think one of the things in our Rockstar program we talk about is utilizing the resources. And this is what we're doing on the podcast today. The resources of different people in different environments, all with the understanding we're still in the sanitation business, cleaning industry. You know, I've said for many years, I'm actually in the risk management business. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, uh, because we are helping mitigate litigation at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, I mean, isn't that why we're here, to keep people safe? Keep people safe. Protect protect businesses, protect people, protect children, protect women, protect everybody. I mean, that's, you know, the, the where we've gone, where we came from, you know, going back to the late 1800s to where we are today, you know, we've made light years in advancement in protecting people from foodborne illness and, and bacterial and viral infections, but we still have a ways to go. Okay, so continue. Okay. So, you know, we talk about, you know, where we're heading in the industry. Um, you know, we've, there's been new things coming in. Um, you know, we talk about disinfection, right? Um, so we talk about how to do that more efficiently. Uh, more effectively, you know, you look at hospitals, um, you know, we talk about the amount of chemicals they apply to things, uh, how much manual labor goes into things. Um, there, there's some companies out there now that are doing UV disinfection where they can roll a robotic UV light into a room and can UV sterilize that room. And there's no labor involved. There's no chemicals involved. Uh, so it's a cleaner form of disinfection that has radically changed how, how things are done and how things are disinfected in the hospital. And those are the type of industry changes that we need to be focusing on is, you know, how do we do it cleaner, healthier, and better? Yeah, yeah but the problem, Andrew, though, with these, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not all about one or the other. Here at the Academy, we're, uh, you know, product agnostic. So we, we talk about all of it because that's what education is. Yep. But one of the problems I have with the UV is, is people hear you say, no chemistry involved, but the problem here is that facility before UV light goes in has to be spotless before the UV will work. Correct. So we'll we'll back up. Uh, we'll back. So up. It, there has to be chemistry involved. Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, so so yes, uh, with anything, it's cleaning and uh, cleaning and sanitation. You don't just clean it. You don't just sanitize it. You got to do both. Uh, just like in food service, you got to wash it. You got to rinse it. You got to sanitize it. Um, so yes, there is still some cleaning chemistry that goes into it, but disinfectants tend to be a little harsher, uh, especially in the hospital environment where they use things like phenolic disinfectants. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very caustic, very corrosive, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, that kind of helps eliminate some of the safety risks that are, that are inherent when using chemicals. So it's, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, our, our industry has for decades had a 
it's uh, according to, at least the way I feel a, a very big overuse of quats and mm-hmm. and you know they they say oh well they're not dangerous well yeah they are yeah uh, that's what Absolutely. a quat's for a, a quat kills microbes <laughs> it's it breaks down the bacteria or the, the or the virus it's it's a corrosive chemical i mean even the packaging when you get it on the on the truck there's a big corrosive symbol on it for your ghs system it's a corrosive chemical absolutely right. you know so you know i i don't know if you've uh, probably because you just heard this last uh, last weekend and found a lot about what we do here but um one of the things i talk about all the time is rinsing you know, why doesn't our industry promote rinsing? And, you know, the biggest thing I get is because, well, we don't have time for an additional step. Hmm. I got a problem yep. with that. Absolutely. And we fought that. Um, you know, I can tell you when I when I was in diversity, we did a very large rollout for a very large company. I'm not going to say who it was, but, yeah. you know, a lot of the pushback we got was we introduced a cleaning rinse and then sanitize procedure for every part of the facility and we got a ton of pushback because of oh how much labor it's going to be and how much more difficult it is but the bottom line is that rinse helps you remove what could possibly be left in organic soil loads after you do the wash step you need a final step just to make sure you got it all and then you can sanitize the surface and make sure that it's completely safe to use it's it's not an option i mean people make it an option but really, back to your point of, you know, why aren't we rinsing? Well, we should be. It, it shouldn't be. A, well, it takes too much time. It's, it's yeah, well, yeah, In the food service industry, you don't skip rinsing, right? No. <laughs> no. So, you know, why is, it, why is it that we, as a general public, let's just go there, as a general public feels that, well, I don't have to rinse the, the countertop. I don't have to rinse the doorknob. Well, it's still your hand and your hands touching your mouth and your eyes just because it's not going inside your body directly doesn't mean it doesn't affect your body. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and that's, I think you and I talked last time when I was on the show about chlorine. I mean, chlorine residual is, is a problem, especially uh, with asthmatic children. I mean, it's that, that chlorine residual can cause an asthma attack. It, oh it's yeah. Not good. Um, not to mention that because of the corrosive nature of it, you get a residual of it on your hands, you touch your eyes, and now you got mucosal damage to your eyes. It, it's it's not good. You know, and this is where we need to be careful with how we apply things. And again, well, yeah, but you know, my thing here is, is I don't, and we've talked about this. I don't know if, if we talked about it in the show you were on, but uh, the use of spray bottles. I don't promote the use of spray bottles, trigger sprayers. I believe all trigger sprayers should be eliminated and we should put a squirt top on it for the reason of all chemistry atomized creates breathing issues. Correct. It it atomizes and aerosols and then it gets taken into the lungs. And, you know, we wonder why we have an epidemic of cancer and lung issues and, and uh, breathing difficulties. I mean, lung conditions have been on the rise for 50 some years, you know, look at what we've done to the environment. Look at the things we're using. You know, they all play a part. And, well, you know, yeah, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm a, a COPD sufferer, and it was from the chemicals I used in my 20s. Uh, here I am in my 60s. I'm still dealing with the effects of those chemi- chemis- that chemistry that I used in my 20s. Yeah. And, it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't because of what I contacted with my skin. It was because of what I breathed. Yep. Yeah, the chemistry is uh, has evolved a little bit, but there's still lots of opportunities for bodily harm. And yeah, yeah, you are right. Yeah, we don't use ammonia-based strippers like we did in the in the in eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've definitely come a ways in that aspect, but there's still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned floors, and I'm like, okay, I could talk for decades on floors. Yeah, it, that's a whole another industry that has completely changed and continues to evolve. I mean, now you have, you know, uh, water and chemical-free floor stripping that no longer do you have to use chemicals to strip your floors. Um, and the floor finishes are, are low odor and low VOC or no VOC. There's been a lot of changes in that industry, and they continue to evolve. And, um, you know, as you say that, I, I, I think it's interesting, let's say it that way, uh, 
I, I have a class every week of some sort, and I always put floor care on my schedule every month, and I'll have one or two people sign up for a floor care course. And I was with somebody the other day, and he says, well, how long has it been since we sent somebody to a professional class? And the guy says, well, I haven't been to one. You've been here how long? He says, three years. I said, well, I think it's about time you got some new education because, you know, and, and you're right. We're still using chemistry the way we used to use, but chemistry has changed. Correct. And that's, you know, again, that's where you got to rely on your chemical suppliers to keep you in tune with the industry changes. And like yourself, you know, as an educator, um, running independent education, you know, it, it keeps everybody in tune with the industry updates and what's available to them. And that's that's where the values derived for the end user is, you know, utilizing their vendors and utilizing their um, their education community to to help them learn and help them do better. So your experience, labor still is the biggest cost, and keeping people is the biggest challenge we have right now. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we mitigate these issues that everybody's feeling right now? Well, and <laughs> this is where, I mean, we could go into a broad swath of the industry problem there is today, um, just from transportation and, and logistics and sourcing parts and materials and chemicals. And it, it's a mess. Um, and ultimately, you know, we, we have been leveraging technology. You know, we talk about not having enough people to, to go out and do the, the training or for fear of, of COVID transmission. You know, we do have virtual tools. We have you know, we have podcasts, we have, but, but, but virtual tools are not new. They've been around for better than decades. And I've been <laughs> trying to get people to, and all of a sudden last year they go, oh, yeah, we have that. Yeah. And it's, I think part of it is, you know, when you look at the industry of what operators and what managers go through to keep their daily operations afloat, you know, I don't envy anybody who has to run a healthcare facility or who has to run a restaurant. <laughs> no, those, I champion those people. Yeah. The, the, the amount of fires and the amount of juggling plates they have at any point in time, you know, it's always an afterthought. You know, it's always, it's never an issue till it's front and center issue. And COVID has done that. COVID has made, you know, certain things front and center. And it's created attention that it's never been given before. So that's why I think you're starting to see some adoption of things that have been out there for years. Like we'll talk just real quick on a sidebar with technology. Now, there's a product on the market called Help Lightning. And it allows technicians to work with people on site to uh, look at either maybe it's a, a staining issue they're dealing with, or maybe they're dealing with a mechanical issue on their dish machine or their proportioner system's broken. You can get on the tablet, do a altered or augmented reality, uh, and show them what they're working with in real time. And the technician can literally put their hand in there in a uh, virtual form and point to things and show them what to move or what to reconnect. And without ever having to talk, talk or touch anybody. So these are things that have been around for a while. I think Help Lightning's been around for at least five or six years, but it's really only come to light in the last couple of years because we've been forced to do things differently. Do you think that that trend's going to continue, Andrew? Well, it's going to. Oh, really that, that, that's an awful long pause, Andrew. Well, it is because we are our own worst enemy as, as a human race. We, we tend to default to what we know and we're learning something new. It's been, it hasn't become a habit yet, even as much as we've been exposed to it. Some of these things are not going to be habits that stick. You know, we can go back to, um, you know, the swine flu epidemic, um, that, you know, we, 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 you know, we embraced certain things. We focused on hand sanitizer and more hygiene. And within a few years, after it was all wrapped up and people didn't talk about it, people went back to their own disorganized ways. And, you know, here we are again. We're ramping back up to that. We're trying to change things, do, do more focus on cleaning and sanitation and healthier hygiene and, you know, virtual options and virtual trainings. But people still don't fully embrace it. I mean, I, I sit through, like, I, I have a very large sales team, about 37 sales members, and I do virtual sales training with them all the time. And it's it's like talking to a wall because they're, they're not focused the way they need to be. And, you know, I, I'd love to say it's going to change, but it's going to really depend upon how long COVID gets drawn out. And, you know, if we're in this for another two or three years, 
I think we're going to start to see those habits change and we're going to focus on some of the new industry tools that are available to us. But if it doesn't, it may not be fully embraced. And it's really up to people like us to talk about these options and train on these options and explain what's available to people. Well, speaking of such stuff as, as that, Andrew, um, you know, since education and is the number one job I have now, I don't have to be out on the street anymore. Uh, and, and as you said, you know, we all have hats. Well, they're con- they they still consider me part of the sales department, but I'm not in sales as conventional sales has always been. It's a little different for me now. Um, but you know, there there's one one of the things that I always start my classes or any of my speaking engagement is. I say, you know, the most valuable thing that an operation has, the most valuable resource, is an engaged employee. And what you were just talking about is keeping engagement when you're on something that's a virtual presentation. And uh, while, yes, we're all using virtual, I think the skill level of a lot of the people that are doing it uh, is far behind what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. And, and so what's happening is, as you said, your sales force is, and I'm not, not directing this at you. I'm just using the example you gave. Uh, they're less engaged because we haven't upgraded our skills for that type of, uh, of presentation. And I, and I go back to that only because the number one thing in equipment sales is you got to get their hands on the equipment. Don't do the, the all of the demonstration yourself. Yep. But yeah, how do you do yeah. that virtually? Correct. You can't. Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, but as you just said, there are ways to do it. And But I think what's happened is we are all having learned how to change our skill levels to match the new criteria. Yep. So there's some adoption that needs to take place and there's some new skills that need to be learned. So this goes back to what you started this morning with. Thank you very much is education and change. Correct. At all levels. Absolutely. And just because you and I are talking about education and we're the ones up in front doing the education doesn't mean we possess all the skills that we need to have yet. No. And that's, I can tell you, I learn each and every day. There's always something I'm learning. Uh, there'll be a new problem that's posed to me that I've never seen before. You know, there's research that goes into these things. And, you know, sometimes our solutions are, are our own opinions and not scientifically factual based. It's just what we see that works and it's a it's a viable option. Doesn't mean well, it's the right experience. one, doesn't mean it's the wrong one. Right. I yeah. mean, that, that, that's, just, that's just experience, Andrew. And that's why you've been in it 16 plus years and going on further. Correct. Yep. And we'll continue to learn and, and adapt and pivot. Uh, that's that's one thing this industry has had to do with the last couple of years is pivot. And we're pivoting. You know, we're, we're rising to the occasion and meeting the demands, uh, even with a shrinking employment force. Do you still see that the biggest challenge? Staffing is absolutely the biggest challenge. It, it's whether, whether you're talking about just the lack of people or the right people, um, it's always been a challenge. And I can tell you that uh, I've made some great hires and I've made some terrible hires. I think we've all been there. <laughs> um, you know, there's just certain things you look for in people. And, you know, this industry, it's it's hard to find somebody who's been in it and then bring them in to do what you do. So there's always going to be a, a, a lag in the training and development of that person. And you just got to hope that they have the stomach for it, that they have the resiliency to, to stay with it. Uh, because it's, I'll be honest, I mean, I hired a guy that I thought was a surefire fit. Uh, this is probably about seven years ago. I pulled him from the, um, he was doing the cash cash register and information technology systems in grocery stores. So he's had some exposure to some rough things and some th- not so pleasant experiences. And I'll be honest, the first dish machine install we went out to do, he crawled underneath that dish machine and laid on that floor with grease on it. And he got up and he said, mm, nope, no way, I'm not doing this, I'm out. And he's gone, never to come back. Wow. So it's, <laughs> it's just, it, it takes a certain kind of somebody to be able to work in this industry. You know, it's you, you, like you talk about, you know, you talk about floor care, you talk about uh, food service, sanitation, 
whether it be in restaurants or manufacturing plants, none of this stuff is pleasant stuff. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of soil loads that we handle and are exposed to that would turn even some of the strongest stomachs. And to find those people that can handle that, that's a struggle. And it'll continue you know to what, be. You know, it just came to me as you were talking about it, Andrew. You, you need to get on that TV show with uh, Mr. Rowe, Dirty Jobs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it would be eye-opening for many people because um, I can tell you, I'm sure we all have stories, but it's there's been some places that I wish I wasn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, see, I can, I can go back in my memory banks and do that, but see, I'm not out there anymore, but you are. Yeah. Hey, seriously. Well, hey, hey, folks, if you're listening to the podcast, you know how to get a hold of Micro and put Andrew and his team out on dirty jobs. I'd I, I say, hey, let me know and I'll help you get connected. <laughs> Absolutely. It would wouldn't be, a, that just, be an... Wouldn't that just be fun? <laughs> We'd have to do a lot of censoring of uh, business names and <laughs> signage. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I got to tell you, Andrew, I can think of someone. But you know what? I think that's the interesting thing about the cleaning industry, folks. Um, we are in every facility on the planet. There's not a building on the planet that doesn't need cleaning in some way. Now, I know that you're probably thinking, hey, if you take a rag and you wipe something, if you take a broom and you move something, you're cleaning. That's what we do. It, it touches. Hey, so, 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 before we leave today, you you've done a lot of these things, and we're saying the cleaning industry has been good to both of us, right? Absolutely. So, give us one. Give us one of those. Aha! That was the best thing that ever happened. Well, I don't want to focus on the negative, right? Okay, we know all the bad stuff. What's what? What's one or the funniest or the best or the one that goes? Oh man, I wish I could do that again. You know, it's, I like the technical challenge of the cleaning industry. And I have a couple that are really front of mind. Um, okay. But I, but, I, but I really like this instance out when I was out in uh, Kansas City. So there was a hotel property that we had specialists in and out of trying to figure out why the linen was coming out brown. And there was a lot of waste. I mean, it was a ton of fabric destruction and having a hard time reclaiming it and nobody could really figure it out and i went out there and i spent a day and a half observing the operation observing the chemistry measuring the chemistry checking the concentrations uh, looking at all the dosing and like everybody else you know we checked the water we analyzed the water and strangely we had a water analysis done by somebody else that came through previously but when I called them to discuss where they pulled the water from, we found out they pulled it from the sink in the laundry room, not the extractor. So that kind of made me think a little bit. And so I'm watching and I'm watching. And I just happened to catch that one of the pipes hammered up top above the extractors. And I looked up and I checked the load and that load was awful. It was all full of brown and essentially it was rust. It was iron. Um, but we couldn't really find out where it was coming from. And I brought the maintenance team up to check out the pipes, and we found a hammer arrester that must have been 30 years old that was rusted to just – it was done. And every time that thing hammered, it put chunks of rust in the water supply and ruined the linen. And that's just one example of a cleaning solution of how do you get the result you're looking for. And that's where it comes down to having an experienced team on your side to help you deliver the results you need. You know what? And these are these are things that we can't do virtually. We can't do it – uh, if you don't know what you're looking for, this is that on-site exposure that still is important, still is crucial, and has a lot of value to that client. Because what you did is, I, I mean, think of the costs savings from your professional advice. Yep, thousands and thousands. I mean, I know before I got there, they were in over $40,000 in linen replacement. So it wow. was a major expense and it wasn't, it, it didn't matter what chemical company they brought in because when you're dealing with no. iron and you're dealing with chlorine, you're going to have the same, the same, the, the result's going to be the same. Yeah. Uh, it just mattered about who your service provider was and whether or not they had the ability to really dig down deep and find the problem to get the solution in play. 
I think it's interesting that you brought up Kansas City uh, uh, because, you know, being from Missouri, one of my best, <laughs> my, my most fun things was whenever I got called to a, a facility out in the country and they said, bring an auto scrubber. We've got a concrete floor to clean. And, uh, you know, I should have checked more about what I was in for before I went. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, those things you learn, right? Yep. When I got there, you know, down the dirt road and everything, because I'm in rural Missouri, I found an ostrich farm. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you heard that right, folks. An okay, ostrich farm. An ostrich farm. farm. Okay. And they wanted, me to, they wanted me to clean up the bird droppings, ostrich droppings, off of the concrete floor. With the floor scrubber. Yeah, right, yeah. So, you know, the tornado representative and I unloaded our auto scrubber, uh, went in, and they, they had this area where they had, you know, kind of a, 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 what I would call a birthing room. It was where they brought the eggs and put them in incubators, and it was polished concrete, nice and smooth and everything. We thought, well, this is not any big deal, you know. Hey, uh, polished concrete polished concrete. Right. Well, I said, oh, no, no. Yeah, we know you can take care of this, but what we want you to take care of – yeah, you already are laughing, Andrew. What we want you to take care of is back here where the young birds are because we got to keep mm -hmm. it clean for them. And they took us into a room where there was, I, I, I believe there had to be 50 baby ostriches, all about two and a half feet tall. And they couldn't put them out of the room. So we had to clean the concrete of their droppings with them in there with the auto scrubber. And so the tornado rep, he gets it loaded up and everything. And then I tell him, this is where we got to go. And his, his eyes just about got as big as, you know. So we went ahead. We went in there. Luckily, we had brought a brush and we were scrubbing the floor. And, and it was a time before cell phones had cameras, right? Okay. So of, of, of all the things that you ever say when you're out there, you go, I wish I'd have had a camera. <laughs> because folks, yep, I got to tell you. There was nothing more funny than 50 ostriches trying to peck at this auto scrubber in its flashing red light on the front. <laughs> yeah, that's entertainment at its finest. <laughs> so, folks, you know what? We talked about the dirty jobs. We talked about the chemistry and everything. But you know what? Unless you're out there, Andrew, you can't have fun like that. Absolutely. That, that's one of the joys of the job is being out there with people and the, living the experience. Oh, yeah. You know, we got to learn all about ostriches, things I never thought I'd learn about. And that's the industry we're in. We're, you know, all the way from there to, as you said, you know, a healthcare facility. I've been in a surgery room. I've been in an Oscar Mayer plant cleaning the inside of a, a vat. Uh, you know, the industry has been good to us. It has its challenges, it's rewarding, but isn't that all industries? Absolutely. They all have their own independent challenges. So I've got one question before we leave. Absolutely. Let's hear it. I know you're not in your bucket list years, but what's on your bucket list for personal? Not business. For personal. So I've always, you know, the... I've always been infatuated with engineering and, you know, my sister got the opportunity to do something I didn't because just circumstances of growing up, um, you know, my sister got to get her engineering degree. I never did. I have a marketing degree. Um, but if, uh, if I ever get around to it and I have the time, I would like to pursue my engineering degree. Absolute bucket list. Personal. Okay. Sounds boring, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, I, it wasn't what I was expecting, but hey, you know, the reason I ask the question is because it's not where we're at, it's where we're going. And if you don't have a goal, you have no direction. And so we know that yours is to move on to engineering in some way or form. That's that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. You have a goal. Yep. It's, so, it's Andrew, a uh, any parting words and how can people get in touch with you here as we get ready to go? Yeah. So if, um, you know, as I say to anybody that I talk to in the industry, whether it's a prospect, a customer, we don't have to do business. But if you want to talk, 
and you just need a second set of eyes, you want a second opinion, I always invite everybody to reach out to me. Uh, and I can be contacted directly uh, via telephone at area code 570-898-0154. Again, that number is 570-898-0154. Uh, or if you want to reach me over on the corporate side, I can be reached at andrew.reese, R-I-E-S, at pfgc.com. Again, that's andrew.reese, R-I-E-S, at PFGC, like Performance Food Group Corporation.com. Folks, we want to let you know that just like Andrew, people that uh, come on and listen to the podcast, uh, we're always here. We try to usually do these on Monday, uh, put them out, and you can listen to them in the recorded version. So if that's what you're doing today, we appreciate that. If you came on live, I saw a few people jump on and off. Thank you for coming on and listening. You know, it, it's always great to have somebody come on and have something to say that's healthy, positive, and proactive. That's what we're all about. Our website is www.academyofcleaning.com, where you can find all of our 50-some educational courses uh, for professional cleaners. Um, we've got, oh gosh, hundreds of YouTube videos We've got a Facebook channel, Instagram, eh, we're everywhere you are. Folks, like and share what we're doing if you like it. Please reach out to me at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com. We'd love to have you on the show. Andrew, thanks for coming on the show last week and being our guest speaker today. Dave, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time today. Let us know when you want to come back and talk some more. We're always here. I got plenty to talk about. I might come back again. Thanks a lot.